most heretical podcast about the New Jedi Order. I'm your host, Rocky, and with me are my co-hosts, Megan and Bria. This month, we'll be talking about Edge of Victory Part 2, Rebirth by Greg Keyes, in which several dubious organisms are in the same place together, Corin's babysitting skills are tested, and it's privateering, not piracy. Grab your villip, tune in, enjoy the show. And as a quick reminder, here on the Vongcast, we don't talk about spoilers for future books in the series, but we do go through today's book pretty thoroughly. So if you haven't read it yet, pause this recording, go read the book, and then come on back and join us. Well, hello. Hi. <laughs> Greetings. Exalted one. <laughs> I prefer Dreadlord, actually. That's my new title. Okay, Rocky we, the Dreadlord. We're just giving yes. that to Rocky. Um, cause, I guess because you're hosting it, I thought we, were, we would have to fight for it or something. We never decided on this <sighs> beforehand, so now we have to fight. Oh, right. Okay. We're supposed to have a duel, but I don't have anyone's planet to destroy if if I lose or something. Hmm. It's you not really a win you if one. you destroy your own planet, is it? Also, the rest of humanity is doing that too fast. I can't keep up. Dark. Okay. <laughs> so, moral of the story. Uh... <laughs> Climate change is real, folks. Yup. <laughs> awesome. Anyway, um, so we have... Um, we have book. a new book today. Yes, and there's a we book do. Summary. <laughs> there is. <sighs> and do we have our fearless volunteer to read it? You mean me? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, you're the supreme leader. You just. <laughs> She's the. Dre- oh wait, hold on. Wait, are, we, are we just throwing titles everywhere now? Dread Lord, <laughs> Supreme Leader, Exalted One. Like, jeez. <laughs> Ooh, how I many more new ones can know, we come up with? <laughs> cross my cannons there a little bit. Sorry, there'll be more of that later. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> All right, should I read this thing? Which, read of course, I did not, you know, read beforehand. So I really hope there's no <laughs> interesting phrases. Okay. <clears throat> Excuse me. The brutal Yuzen Vong are scouring the universe for Jedi to slaughter. With no help from the divided New Republic, the Jedi stand alone against their seemingly invincible foe. Han Solo and Leia Organa Solo risk deadly consequences with their controversial tactics to bolster the Jedi resistance. After uncovering a new Yuzan Vong menace, Anakin and Tahiri find themselves wanted for murder by the Peace Brigade. To avoid capture, they jump into hyperspace and into trouble far graver. Haunted, or hunted by the Yuzan Vong, wanted as criminals by the New Republic, and with unrest stirring within their own ranks, the Jedi find peril everywhere they turn. But even in the midst of despair, while the most fiercest battle of all looms on the horizon, hope arises with the birth of one very special child. I think the back of this book overstates the usefulness of the Peace Brigade. Yes. Yeah. Also, also it's th- weird seeing, seeing Leia Organa solo now after so many years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow, okay. Also, that summary didn't really capture the fact that for a fairly small book, a lot happens. Yeah, it's not even like, it's not even 300 pages, which a lot, a but lot happens. It's also this was not the 
for me, it was one of the books that I found I remembered the least about. Like, there were mm-hmm. clearly very important things, but this one was also oddly forgettable to me. Not that it was bad. I just found myself being surprised by things. I think it's just because there's some stuff that stands out so much in this book. Like, to me, I knew there was the thing where Kip manipulates Jaina, but I forgot what book it was in because Mm -hmm. but for this book in particular i'm always like oh yeah that's the one where uh ben skywalker is born and that's the one where anakin and tahiri hook up in a locker like that's just (laughs) it's just it's just what i remember and i feel like that just sort of overpowered the rest of it but i really enjoyed it like i know i really like this one a lot so much happened because as i was rereading i was i was realizing oh right wait that happened in this book that happened in this book wait how many more interesting new characters are we getting wait oh this is the book where sorry i have to go change because my i survived the jana solo ship war shirt is in the other room (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) i think that's part of why i struggled with this one a little bit because there were uh, the beginning of relationships that you kind of know where they're going there was the birth of ben skywalker which who was a character that I had trouble ever connecting to you when he was an adult. And I think that this one does focus a lot on relationships and on family, which is very important to this series. And like, it's very important to star Wars. So I think it's very key that they, that like that, that moment of, of Ben's birth is so hopeful. Like, I think that's good, but that's also one of the reasons why reading this now, I think for the third time, it felt a little flat because I, I knew where these things were going to go. So maybe it would have been more enjoyable on the first round. And it was certainly more, you know, controversial and sort of an event book the first time around, I think. Which, actually, it's interesting. Was that, it, though? Well, hmm. in, in the ship war sense, but... Oh, okay. I, yes. I was like, as I, I say that, though, I realized, too, that it's kind of interesting that Ben's birth is in one of the middle books. It's not in one of the tentpole books. Yeah. I had always, I feel like Ben's birth was about, Ben's birth and Anakin and Tahiri and the locker were the only things that I remembered as being, huh, why didn't that happen in a big hardcover? Instead of my reading this and going, oh, wow, there is actually a lot of important plot here. And even if someone is trying to only read the hardcovers, this is always on my list of try not to skip, like, the important plot. Did she just, like, I can't believe I'm already forgetting this. Did she like just figure out she was pregnant the last book though? It was or did she figure it out? And did she figure it out? It was a couple, uh, it it was a couple books ago. Was it the huh. beginning I, of? <laughs> because of us, can you let remember? me let me look at my notes. That's the nerdiest thing I've well, said in a little while. I Hold feel, on. I felt like when uh, we were reading through this time, I was surprised by how by how relatively late in the series it felt like we were like oh right Mara's pregnant yeah because they forgot they had to deal with the whole illness thing first I keep forgetting forgetting like 
the timeline in the sense of how many years have passed since the series started and also forgetting how much time has passed between each of the books and it's a different time frame than I keep wanting. I keep wanting to think that the series started like four years ago in GFFA time instead of about two years. Yeah, the whole the whole NJO is about five years total. Yeah, and I keep really wanting to think that it's a lot longer than that. Uh, hmm. Yeah, I'm glancing through my notes, and I can't read half of them because my handwriting is awesome. <laughs> but it wasn't that. It was either one book or two books ago, I think. Yeah, when she noticed yeah. that she had you know, new cells, basically. Yeah. And we're all like, this is fine. I have a note about balance point. <laughs> this is not yeah, melodramatic. I have a balance point note about... Yeah, this is... It feels uh, like Amara's surprise having baby rabies. That was it. Okay, <laughs> so it was balance was point. Book, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think it is. Huh. So that happened fast. <laughs> what? Wow. Yeah, uh... Yeah. This would really help if I could read any amount of my own handwriting. <laughs> do we want to just jump ahead? I know it's at the bottom of your notes, Rocky, yeah. but do we want to just jump ahead to all the yeah, Skywalker whatever. pregnancy drama? Yes. Sure. <laughs> sure. <laughs> yes. This reminded me a little bit of, do you know the book, um, the Madeline Leangle book? Uh, it was made into a movie recently, A Wrinkle in Time. Wrinkle in Time. So yeah. that series included a couple other books i'm not sure how many exactly but one of them involved the main character literally fighting cancer like she went inside cells and fought against like cancerous cells using some kind of science magic Mm -hmm. and this reminded me a lot of that the descriptions of like this kind of mystical physical ailment that you can physically like mm-hmm. batter against and it i thought it came off as a little cheesy but i can like yeah see how it might work i honestly that was one of the things i wrote down was that like between i just felt like her whole her whole pregnancy thing was just way too melodramatic like it, the drama just felt unnecessary after it took so much mm-hmm. effort for her to get pregnant and then the borsk Fela being like yo i'm gonna arrest the jedi and then just going away at the end of the book all felt pointless and like yeah. they just needed something for laura uh for for laura that's their new ship name uh for luke and mara to do <laughs> <laughs> um and they were just like well let's have her you know have some pregnancy issues go to the air adventure and uh Bela wants to arrest people i guess <laughs> yeah, yeah it felt like it felt like they were cramming in even more than this book was able to hold which is why as i was rereading and i'm going i'm reading slowly just because there is so much that i'm trying to absorb in here i think there is a value in some of that drama partially because these books are they're dramatic. They're dramatic in so many ways. You know, they're they're gorier than other Star Wars books. They're darker than other Star Wars books. Like, okay, let's make the hopeful parts be more dramatic too. Like, I do appreciate how that can be seen as a big victory for Mara, can be seen as a really important moment in Luke and Mara's relationship. I, I definitely get how that works and, like, why you would want to emphasize that. It just didn't quite work 
for me, and I think partially for the reasons that we've discussed before, where it kind of seems like they're they're trying to get Mara off to the side because they don't know what else to do with her. Mm-hmm. And yeah. the part that also yeah, kind of struck me as like, like this is just yeah. too much was when Luke is reminded of um, when he you know batters Vader down on the Death Star when he nearly goes to the dark side in Return of the Jedi, and they mention that he is almost. He feels almost that dark again uh, when he's fighting this disease. And I was kind of like, right, Luke, like, be careful. Let's not regress too much here. Yeah. In the big scheme of things that one could go dark about, uh, yeah, it definitely felt like there was a lot of over the top and not always in the we can get away with being a little ridiculous way. Honestly, I think if they had just not... They had just been like, hey, Luke and Mara, why don't you guys go to the air adventure and keep an eye on the kids while Mara's about to yeah. give birth any minute instead of having to tie in the yeah. Jedi are going to be arrested plotline. Like, it it could have been fine. They, they could have left Coruscant completely just because they could have made the excuse that Mara's about to give birth and wants some peace and quiet and she gets what she wants. Bye. Yeah. There well, was plus some... Mirax is there. And I'm like, we need more exactly. of Mara and Mirax being friends because they, you know, they did that one thing yes. one time where they were mm-hmm. exonerated. <laughs> more focus on them would have been nice. There was that one scene where Mara leaves with, I think it's Kilgall and Mirax and they're sort of just gone. Like, you know, you don't really see what happens to them next. And I, I could have done with more of that. I did like some of the Mara characterization in here because she goes from, at one point she says, I don't lose and like refuses to make a decision based on possible bad outcomes. But she also later notes that she was being a little bit selfish and that she wishes she had half the confidence that she says she had. Mm-hmm. So I like that look into like, she is. She has been projecting so much strength because she's been in such terrible situations, and now she kind of has to realize that, like, number one, she can keep going even though she recognizes that she doesn't have that confidence, and number two, that, yeah, sometimes she was selfish. Sometimes she did push people away, and after how kind of, I think... um She's like stalled Kilgall's work a little bit. I was kind of glad to see her um, not quite apologize for that, but, you know, sort of recognize that it might not have been the best choice. So that was good development for her, I thought, even if it was rather brief. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, I'm glad we have a new baby because that is kind of a much needed thing of hope in the midst of this giant mess. But at the same time, it definitely felt like there was a lot of contrived drama around it. So, yeah. I mean, on the other hand, Ben is a Skywalker. When have any of them done <laughs> anything without like a huge load of drama? <laughs> of contrived drama. I feel like drama. it's like a family... <laughs> it's a family rule. You probably can't even like order a coffee without there being a lot of drama about it in this family so mm-hmm. <sighs> what do you expect way to go skywalkers way to go yep also i'm having to retrain myself to say ben skywalker instead of ben solo <laughs> and it's very strange because i had to retrain myself the other way <laughs> the, before the amount of confused crossover that my brain keeps attempting it's i'm just going no, this is not 
Like, Kylo Ren does not look the way I have imagined Jason Solo to look. No. Hmm. But, yeah, my brain is crossing over the two really, really weirdly, and I'm like... Hold on, I need to look up a... It's confusing! I need to look up a fanfic I think you would like. Excellent. But continue, <laughs> while I <laughs> while I keep looking for this, please continue. Does it have both Jason and Kylo Ren? Uh, I'm pretty sure... It's like Anakin and hold on. Walk in, dang it. Hold on. That's interesting. I was gonna make a point later about um the they talk about Yusan Vong interrogation creatures, and it made me think that Saw Guerrero would probably be all over that. Like it reminded me so much <laughs> of poor Gullet and just imagine Saw using Yusan Vong technology. So that was my, like, hmm. canon crossover. Oh, that would be crazy. Hmm. Hold on. There it is. Yeah, so a friend of mine did a series where <laughs> the the description is Anakin Solo wakes up after Merker in a galaxy that doesn't recognize him. And it has, like, I think it puts Anakin... Well, then. it puts Anakin Ooh. into the uh, the other part of the galaxy. Oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, I'm interested. And I think it also at some point puts it may put Kylo on the other side at some point. Ooh. Is it something that you're? Oh, like, I'm very interested. It's on my list. With sharing. Yeah, with just saying like, here's the title. If oh you yeah, yeah, look yeah, like yeah. It. Sorry. Uh, yeah. There's a series on on Ao3. I still actually need to read it, and hopefully she'll forgive me if she ever re- <laughs> hears this podcast. But it's the series is called They Haunt Us Still, and it's by Sabrina. Cool. Yeah, yeah. that way people can check it out if awesome. they want. To. Yeah, yay fanfic. Awesome. <laughs> yep. Awesome. Sorry, I derailed things. Yeah, well, so let's actually go back kind of to the beginning of our, our notes here, because I think speaking of Anakin, um, we want to talk about Corrin and Anakin and Tahiri, which I think, Rocky, you found very amusing. Oh, I found it so interesting because when I originally read this book, I was like, what, 15, 16 myself? And Anakin and Tahiri reminded me so much of the kids around me and me trying to sort out our feelings. And what do you do when you have a crush on them? What do you do when they have a crush back? Worst well, of all, well, apparently your babysitter locks you in a locker and then you make <laughs> you out. Wait for a what convenient you- gunfight. <laughs> what? This felt so intensely like. Like, my thought when I was a teenager reading this was like, okay, so is this like the GFFA version of Seven Minutes in Heaven? <laughs> I think I think the best part of that part is when Corin comes back and is like, should I not have left you two unchaperoned? And I'm like, Corin, and idiot. Like, what did you... You left two <laughs> teenagers is- who literally the entire galaxy knows they're into each other. They're like the last ones to figure it and out. Corrin can use the force. I know he's not very good at it, but he's gotta have sensed <laughs> something, so maybe he knew all along. <laughs> and then and then Anakin later on is going, oh crap, why is it that everyone I know have to be Jedi? Yep. And they're gonna know, yep. they're gonna figure out exactly what all my feelings everyone are. Everyone already knew. Anakin has exactly. had his first kiss, had his first, like, 
kind of in a relationship and felt the feelings of someone else who was having a baby. Anakin uh, was learning a lot. <laughs> <laughs> that poor boy. <laughs> yeah, I feel like he's going to be a little shell-shocked after this. Look. <laughs> 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 Ask us about that one later. Yeah. But it's it's cute and it's sweet and it's I like that it's awkward. It's so intensely yeah, teenage. Yeah, I also like that. It it's is awkward. so very much teenagers because so often the kids all feel so much older than they are simply because they've been in danger, they've been fighting long enough that they're not really naive anymore. And suddenly you have Anakin and Tahiri acting like normal yeah. kids. It's kind of refreshing as an adult to read that yeah. rather than just like kind of sad slash disturbing that they're able to act so adult simply because their circumstances. Yeah. And actually, I kind of want to jump down to one of the questions we got um, where uh, TI30612 uh, mentions, you know, says, I'm terrible with ages, but Anakin is 16 and Tahiri is 14 here, or am I at least close? I feel like the chemistry yeah. starting when it does makes them late bloomers. And I just want to be like, I don't think it does. Like, 16 is not that old for a first kiss. I'm going to point that out. And also, no, I, I would agree with that. And also, uh, it's yeah. been like, it's been at least two years, right? Since we're, we're guessing it's been about two years since the, the book started, right? And he hasn't. Yeah. It was made pretty clear that Anakin hadn't been back to the Academy since really. Like, he hadn't really talk to Tahiri so they were probably like 14 and 12 and now they're older and now they've been through this very intense experience together so it sort of makes sense that that would be the catalyst for them finally figuring out that they like each other so much like this yeah it very much felt like it felt like within Edge of Victory part one there was chemistry there that had probably been latent beforehand and now like growing up a little and then a very intense experience there and they're both having the vibe of oh crap i like you and now well and now that they're in the middle of a lot of trouble or stuck in a locker together they finally admit it to each other it's a very solo thing also- to do <laughs> Yeah, that's, yeah. Well, that, yeah, and that kind of connects to what I was going to say, which is that it's a very narrative thing to do. Like, mm-hmm. if they were two kids in a high school, they would be in very different circumstances. But in this case, you kind of the the tradition, the framework is to have these kind of dramatic emotional moments in like be as dramatic as possible right it's also like it's a fanfic trope like people get trapped in caves together there's only one bed like there has to be a like like an external situation to get them together because that's how it becomes a plot instead of a just like no i don't want to say just a relationship as if that doesn't have a story of its own but that's how you make it into an action plot Mm-hmm. So I think um basically I'm agreeing with what you said about how yeah they weren't they weren't together at the Jedi Academy and the way fiction works is that something like this like something like a first kiss would probably be in this really like hyper dramatic situation because d- does that make sense? Yeah, mm-hmm. it does. And also cuz they're solos. Well, he's a solo. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like And, like, there's a note that it's been a few months since the events of Edge of Victory Part 1, 
So they've been spending some time together on the errant venture, and you can kind of feel like things have been building up between them a little bit more. And then finally, it just kind of all came to a head combined with dramatic situation, narrative, and this is how solos do things. Yeah. Plus, it's been a few months. Tahiri was literally traumatized. So I think Anakin is a good enough boy that he would want to, even if he had or or really ha- was figuring out his feelings during those couple of months, like that boy was basically raised by winter. He's not going to be all like, oh, you're figuring out your trauma. Let me also like put the moves on you right now. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. that's my obligatory winter reference. <laughs> but I, I agree uh, with what you said before about how I think the idea of like what does late bloomer mean is sort of I don't think that needs to be defined Subjective. either in fiction or in real life I just love the locker kiss so much it's <laughs> so cute it really so, is and awkward navigating God. To hear navigating oh, her trauma boy. is definitely part of. I continue to really like that. Um, Rocky wrote down that she is so clearly shaped and trying to navigate it, which in this case mm-hmm. involves a couple of what seem like moments where she suddenly switches. But I think those moments, if you're inside her head, are probably more like deliberate than they might seem on the page Um, it felt like by the end of the book she was figuring out that she could tap more into her yuzhan bong side as she wanted to and it wasn't necessarily oh crap i just said something in their language it was more of wait we need someone here who can talk to this ship and oh we need someone who speaks the language realizing that she can use her abilities and has more control over it than she thinks. She talks about why she didn't get rid of her scars. And because she has the like the three scars on her face mm-hmm. that are very dramatic, you know, and, and she says, uh, I paid for them, mm-hmm. I won't give them up. And that um, mm-hmm. means a lot to me and meant a lot to me at the time. I have some like very minor surgery mm-hmm. scars. Like it's it's really not a good story, but they are scars. And I also feel like I don't have any need to get rid of them. I, they are part of me. And mm-hmm. so hearing her say that in a situation where like the trauma she went through is like far more terrible than like you know, anything that's happened to me, but it made me feel kind of better about my choice to do that and my you know my appearance right so uh, that was really good for me to hear mm-hmm. as a teen and like even now you know even even as an adult so that's really awesome yeah see that line hit me way more as an adult because i have some visibly messed up parts of my shoulder from a car accident and i've said no i'm not going to do a cosmetic surgical fix because it's not going to help me plus I survived. Mm-hmm. I'm keeping that. Unless there's a functional fix, I'm keeping that mess. And I get that sentiment. I have heard that before from a lot of people who have interesting, visible reminders of unfortunate events, regardless of what that looks like. Yeah, I could say more about like, like interesting. Like, what does that mean? But I think that'd really be a rabbit trail. So we don't need to go on in that. <laughs> Tahiri's scars are very oh, cool. I'm distractible <laughs> enough already. Yeah. Oh yeah, and like the way she's the way she's trying to navigate them already is 
it feels way more self-aware than I often hear from a lot of people. Interesting. Yeah, like she seems to be way more at peace with the Scar's existence and her determination to keep them way fast. Like within it, it a few months, she's like, look, I that, earned these. Hello. It, it probably helps that Anakin kissed her. A <laughs> little bit. <laughs> yeah, that too. <laughs> See, I'm having to be very careful and try not to say anything because there's stuff further down the line that I don't want to spoil because... There yeah. are so many instances in this book when I've made notes in my notes of must be diverted from spoilers before discussing this thing. <laughs> we can talk about... Or just, please, somebody shut me up before I, I spoil everything. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Um, can, we do, can we finish talking about Corrin first? Because... Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love that he has to be the adult. Like, he has to be the responsible the responsible person here and like he's been hiding out on the air adventure since he you know lost a planet essentially even though it wasn't really his fault and he's babysitting two teenagers has. how embarrassing, embarrassing. <laughs> he needs an adultier adult <laughs> i just love that there's a line where they're like oh corin took anakin and zahiri D- r- really did, did he mean to do that with him? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. And then the line of when Corrin's just, he's so done with those two. And like, yeah, don't go to the dark side of my watch. Do it on Luke's. That's so perfect. <laughs> I love it. Oh, man. He is about 10,000% done by the end of this. <laughs> he tried so hard. <laughs> he gets the little gold you tried star there. Yes, he does. <laughs> Okay, I'm I like, sorry. Um, well, Nancy has I'm a not. question. <laughs> Shall we cover the, the oh, corn yeah, sure. horn part of Nancy's question? Sure. Um, she asks, uh, when did Corn Horn become a responsible adult? After his kids were born? After he fought Shido Shy? Or is he just faking it? I love this question. He's faking, He's faking it. it. He's so everyone's faking it. <laughs> I mean, the older I get, the more I'm convinced that I'm actually just a teenager with a drinking permit and lower car insurance rates. <laughs> I, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's funny uh, thinking about kind of the point at which you become an adult and realize that you have had more or different life experiences than the people around you is... yeah something that I've kind of encountered in my work recently where I'm working with slightly younger people and a kind of that moment of like, I have, I have like actually more experience than you has been revelatory for me. Um, because I don't think of myself as a responsible adult typically. (laughs) So I think that to a degree, yeah, he's just faking it, (laughs) but he's not talking about his dead dad as much. So I'll give him, I'll give him a gold star there. That's, that's a very yeah. important he step does, to adulthood. He, uh, and we talked about this earlier a little bit, but the kind of mini arc he had where he was um, teaching Valenhorn as well. I think he's becoming a better parent uh, in the course of this, although he should probably talk to Mirax more because I think they're pretty separate for this whole thing, right? Uh, yeah, because yeah, Mirax stays on the ship with Mara, which I'm not going to say that if... Mara and Mirax were to leave their husbands and go off together. I, I'm not gonna say I would hate. I wouldn't hate it, but I definitely wouldn't hate it. So, headcanon accepted. I'm just saying. I mean- 
That was not your point. See, also, more soapboxes you don't want to get me on because I will never shut up. <laughs> sorry, I Luke mean, Skywalker. If you have, like, <sighs> sorry, not sorry on my part. <laughs> I mean, if you have like a, a point about Mara, that could be interesting. No, I just, I just okay. think that they are excellent and wonderful, and I want to read more about their adventures. You don't. You don't always have to be stuck to your spouse. You can go off and have adventures with other people, too. This galaxy seems to forget this on a regular that basis. That is true. But that's a little more of a rant for- Polyamory like, is a thing. By the end of Legacy of the Force. Ah, I see. Thank you! <laughs> see, also, more soapboxes you want to keep me off of if we want to be even marginally on task. Apparently, tonight. it's both of us who need to get off our soapboxes. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I, I Megan. I want to talk about Nen Yim. I'm I sorry. Think she's we, can, neat. we can talk about Nen Yim <laughs> so, or Nen Soup or whatever. So, on that note, no, that's rude. So, um, <laughs> we learned. So, wow. Um, I missed a few things in my first read of this book because. Yeah, well. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so I had forgotten a lot of the K Quad stuff. So, I was definitely. Yes. Um, I had. The reveal, like I, I had a feeling he was important, but I couldn't remember why. And I do think the degree he gives me the creeps uh, more than he did before. I was definitely more uncomfortable the more like detail I thought about this in. And I think that if like Shimra's idea was to basically see how far he could push Nanyim, um, he certainly succeeded in that. I wish it hadn't necessarily been in this way. Um, because it was yeah. kind of gross, and sexual harassment I, exists in every universe, apparently. Yeah, I guess so. Well, that's yeah. been one of the last couple books that like Yusun Wang men can be terrible. Yes. So yeah, I mean, as can Yusun Wang women. So, but the like in a culture where we're not seeing like a lot of gender roles and things like that, this just it felt even more left field than I point. had kind of expected. And you know what? That kind of yeah, connects to like, uh, the things we've been talking about a little bit in like mostly joking fashion, but I think there might be something a little serious there that we do not really know what Yusun Vong gender roles are or what their attitude towards sexuality is or what they would find uh, you know, what they would find um, uh, sorry, words are suddenly failing me aggressive that's not the yeah. right one you know what, no, what they yeah. find unpleasant yeah and, and thank you that that's yeah, the, yes like um, versus what they would find really, like sensual yeah. in a pleasant sense and and this was very much like if they even have that yeah True. which which this was like we're gonna make definitely gonna make human readers uncomfortable and from they clearly did not think very much about the world building of that which uh isn't you know i, I don't yeah, you could have done some interesting stuff with gender there, and they just did not, and instead it came off as, as very creepy, and I just wanted to stab him. I was like, when is she gonna stab him? I was looking forward to that, and then and then I remembered I remembered who K-Quad turns out to be, and that was when I went, oh yeah, because I didn't remember K-Quad as a character existing, but... After reading the description of his hands, that was when I went, oh, this is Onami, isn't it? Yeah. Aha. Wow. I didn't realize we met Onami this fast. Yeah. Cool. And, <laughs> and we uh, meet Shimra right away, which was cool. And I, yes. to my 
happiness, uh, I found that Shimra was very creepy. Like, they describe his voice oh, as kind of yeah. whispery. Like, he's a big guy, but his voice is, like, kind of soft and whispery. And, like, the lighting in the room is, like, all these little bugs that look like stars. And, like, it's, it's very it's very frightening. Yeah. It's very good. I love that they just completely like, lean in of- on how creepy he is. Yeah. Like, all of the images of him, I think, from the Essential Guide to Warfare just made me go... That's nowhere near as majestic but creepy as I imagine him. Yeah. Or but even- I also feel like what was in my mind's eye is probably not something that – probably not something that a lot of art would be able to really come up with. Okay, hold on. Now I need to look at the book. Yeah, there. Yes. there's art of him on Star by Star as well, isn't there? Oh, is that him on uh, the cover? Is that? I haven't really well, been able to. Maybe it's Nominor. Because he's missing an eye. Maybe that's Nominor. I'm pretty sure. Wait, Star by Star. Where's this book? Uh, I thought that was Savang Law, but oh. don't quote hmm. me on that. Okay, that's a, huh, that's a weird picture. In the uh, Essential Reader's Companion, uh, Nominor is one of the portraits in the front. Oh, and there's. A character I can't mention because spoilers. Um, yeah, don't read melty. the Essential Readers Companion if you're not if you're trying not to be spoiled. But it does have some good illustrations because it has one Ooh. from way later in the series too, right? Yeah, I'm looking at the. There's one I'm looking. Oh, hey, so if you have the Essential Readers Companion, there's a picture they have of Jason fighting Zvong Law with the with the amphistaff, oh, and yeah. it's like spitting at him. Mm-hmm. Cool. That's cool. Okay, hold on. What else is in here? There oh, there's the locker kiss. Definitely a lot of <laughs> there's locker kiss art. Yes. <laughs> in case anyone was wondering. I mean, I would, I would get up and grab that book, but it's in the other room, and that would involve taking off the headset. And yeah, no. Let's see. Without spoilers, I have that one, but I'm not sure where it is. I'm just gonna point out that apparently they really wanted to illustrate kissing in the new Jedi Order books. Yes, actually. I mean, maybe they ran out of horrible things that they wanted to depict and decided to go for something nice, just like for quick I change. I mean, that's possible. That one anywhere. Oh, Hold on, warfare. All right, you said there's art of him in warfare. <laughs> I think so. Um, it's not something I can mention without being spoilery. Oh, okay. So ask me about that later. Okay. And I don't want to go but on a. I, think- uh, I like Google art wormhole here. I'm not Googling. I don't have <laughs> enough attention span to go on a Google wormhole, so I'm not going to. Oh my to. god, there's actually a picture of a coral skipper in here. Yay. That's not what I thought it You mean we don't have to do we don't have to do Bob Ross paints the Yushan No, Bob? It's like purple and pink and kind of triangly. This is That's not what I thought. It- it makes them really look like the ghosts from Halo. It makes them look like covenant ships. Huh. I've never looked at this before. You said covenant chip, and my brain heard tortilla chip, and I have some really interesting <laughs> mental images. Are you are you hungry? Uh, <laughs> right now, I'm imagining like a bag of Tostitos, except filled with little coral skippers, and this is a really disturbing image, but it's also really yeah. funny. Oh, that image of Shimra. Uh, yes, you I did it. find it. Huh. What my mind's eye saw was 
absolutely more spectacular, even though that's pretty impressive. I mean, it's impressive, but it's also his back. So I feel like maybe from the front, he looks even crazier. (laughs) Okay, I'm sorry. Guys, books are great. I love, I love illustrated guides. These just make me happy. It's a very good guide. It is. This has all been making me want to revisit the comics, too. The refugee comics, I think they were called. Did we think about doing that for an episode at some point? Yep. That's yep, we right. did. Also, yeah. good illustrations. Yes. Okay, I'm sorry. I have derailed us with artwork. <laughs> what were we talking about again, Nenyim? <laughs> yes, so I kind of want to take... Um, one of our other listener questions, and also to say that there's a part where it describes Nen Yim as so flustered that her like headdress gets all tangled and her like a film comes over her eyes, and it's like yeah. like a nictitating membrane, like a like an animal, like a bird has, and I was just like, that's so cute. I want one. She's so cute. I love her. <laughs> so, yes, yes. Yeah, that I actually love that, that, that I find endearing. Okay, because it's like when I think of that membrane, I'm thinking of of the weird thingy where a cat's eyes kind of glow in the dark, even though I know it's. I don't think it's the same structure that I'm thinking of, but. It's one of those things that I feel like I'm more used to seeing in the kinds of animals I find cute or cool. And I'm just like, wait, what? That's that's kind of neat. <laughs> also, it really emphasizes how not human the Yuzhanbong really are because they're meant to be fairly similar in size and shape to humans. A little taller, a little thinner, a little weirder without the scars, but like... They're fairly human-like otherwise, and that's one of those things that makes them just really, really alien. It's kind of cool. And I think the shaper, it makes the shapers especially alien, too, because it's like basically instead of wearing lab goggles, she like got an implanted membrane. Which is pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, weird, but cool. Yeah. Yeah. I love how much of a clever nerd she is, and she's not, she's not like, a cloistered lab scientist she's actually the way she's willing to manipulate and talk to people to try to get what she wants i absolutely love that characterization of her she's not one of those scientists who's like just leave me to my work she's like well if nobody else is going to get me what i need to get my work done i will figure this out i support her and want her to be happy yes so uh, ti Three thirty six twelve asks, uh, "Who is the best character, and why is it Nen Yim?" Thank you. That's that's correct. Meshan um, <laughs> <laughs> Quad clearly was an atheist. Quotes. Nen yeah. Yim is some sort of believer, but clearly thinks her cast has it wrong. I almost get weird vibes from the upper class Yusan Bong that would have given Karl Marx fits. I'm not always sure the high up characters we meet are true believers or just staying in power through the system that works. Thoughts. Um, so one of my thoughts is definitely that um, I don't know enough about Marxism to really comment on that. But in terms of Nen Yim, I think she mentions, um, there's a quote that I really like from her that she says, those were the heresies of my master, not mine. And then it says, Nen Yim lied, <laughs> which is just great. Mm-hmm. I feel like that sums her up so much. Mm-hmm. Like, not me, Nen Yim lied. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And she does talk about think like like her... Um, 
understanding of Mezhan Quad, and she knew that Mezhan did not really believe in the gods. But I do think that Nenyim does have some sort of belief in a higher power of some kind. And she also discovers the eighth cortex in this book. And I think that's mm-hmm. what cues her into the idea that maybe the higher ups are lying about more things than she knows, which mm-hmm. t- to me, I think, I don't remember if there's more of this in this, in the later uh, books, but the, or about her specifically, but, which makes me think that she will then take the next step further and say, well, if all these, if what we were taught about the cortex was wrong, maybe the the gods are also, are not real. So I think that this is possibly, uh, again, I, I know I said it last time, but like if I was going to write fanfic about Nenyim, I would just write <laughs> what happened immediately after this book, like just her like brain, you know, trying to comprehend all what just happened. But I think that after that meeting, she is less of a believer than she was before mm-hmm. oh and, and absolutely yeah i think you should write the Me fanfic really yeah you should for one but like yeah after she sees into the eighth cortex which like she's been trying to get access to higher levels of knowledge because she's like look i'm resorting to heresy here to figure out how to fix problems clearly something is not right And then when she finally gets into the eighth cortex, where she's really not supposed to be like even more so than all the other information, I think that's the thing that really makes her reevaluate everything that she's been told, which she's already pretty doubtful of. And then she's like, oh, wait, there is a lot more BS around here than even I suspected. I feel like she's closer to Maison Quad than she might be entirely comfortable admitting to anyone in terms of yeah, belief system. Yeah, I agree. She's not entirely okay with admitting to anyone ever, even herself, that she doesn't believe in the gods, but she's way less of a believer than she's ever going to really say at this point. I really like that point. Do you mind if I use that for my fanfic? Oh no, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see if I actually write something by the end of this. Do yeah. it. You've got a year. I'm making we a are, note. Making a note. We are exactly the wrong people to ever talk you out of it. It's good. It's good. We're very open about fanfic here. I support that. Yeah. Although <laughs> Yup. I feel like I'm gonna derail the podcast for three seconds because uh I was talking to one of my coworkers who everyone knows I'm pretty nerdy. And she was saying that she had to tell people I write for StarWars.com and correct them because someone was saying, I think that like she writes fanfic or something. And I was like, I appreciate you correcting them. I mean, that's not wrong. She gave me this look. And I was like, no, no, no. We are not on that level of friendship yet where we discuss fanfiction. Yeah, yeah. Like, you're not wrong, but that's not what we're, that's not what this is. And we're not talking about that. Oh my gosh, that's terrifying. I had... Yeah, I I get it. I having to explain like, oh, I write for, I write about because I because I've said I write in Star Wars nonfiction before, and then I get the but it's all nonfiction. It's it's Star Wars, <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, but Star Wars fiction would be a that would mean yeah. a different thing. Yeah, yeah. While I was horrified with when I found out that I'm the only one at work who's played Dungeons and Dragons, and I looked at them like, what kind of nerds are you guys? Are you serious? I'm the Ugh. I've never have played have an it. Intervention and throw twenty sided dice at you. I've <sighs> never played it, Rocky. But then again, I was.
was asked in my first job interview what video games I played. Oh. I do not work in a game store or anything like that. Huh. They wanted to make sure I would fit in. Okay, that is huh. bizarre. <laughs> I do not work in anything even moderately nerdy. No. That is, that is a bit bizarre. Huh. Huh. I work with a bunch of internet gremlins, so. <laughs> oh, boy. We could do. Oh, my gosh. Now I'm like. We could do a one shot about the Yusun Vong. Like I can play as Nen Yim. Okay, let's. Okay, um, here's the I, problem. I might have that RPG guide somewhere in amongst all of there my stuff. Is, here's the I'm problem, Megan. I'm looking at it right now. When Brian They're in the Ultimate Alien Guide, <laughs> my favorite book in the world. Megan, the problem the is, Yusun okay, Vong, I'm so like, glad this is not it. a wireless headset, or else I'd be like buried in my bookshelf already. <laughs> I'm just gonna point out that when Brian edits this, he's gonna hear you say that. And he's going to make us do a tabletop gaming episode. That's fine. I mean, I'm, I'm a little nervous about uh, doing it on the air, but I have been saying to many people that I want to do a one shot. I My game's on hiatus right now, so I, I'm i fine with that. Okay. <laughs> well, in every single role-playing game of any sort I do, my default alignment is chaotic stupid. So I'm a pretty awesome person to RP with in so any you're peace form. Brigade. Oh no. <laughs> oh no, no. I'm like somewhere between chaotic stupid and chaotic troll, depending on just how ridiculous I feel like being on a daily basis. I did undercover so. chaos in the last game I played. I betrayed nice, the entire yes. party and revealed myself to be a first order agent. <laughs> so you're Vicky Shesh. All right. Um, Excuse me, let's I'm Carice. Talk about- but yes, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. On derail, I'm sorry. Let's talk about the privateering section. Um, Rocky, it sounds like you enjoyed that. And, and let's talk uh, a little bit about Jason. Um, he had some kind of cool meditation stuff in this book. I was, as I was reading that, I'm just like, this is like the most Han thing ever. No, we are not pirates. We're privateers. Duh. And the way Han and Leia banter is absolutely adorable. Yeah, that made me really happy because it felt like it felt like they had fixed things finally, and we we finally got the Han and Leia that we all know and love again. Um, yes, it felt very original trilogy. Yeah, but it also it, felt yeah, organic felt like- because there's that there's a point there's a couple points I think where they acknowledge that you know she's his co-pilot now. But she's not Chewie, and she's never going to be a replacement for Chewie. But that's okay. I just thought that was very sweet. Yes. There, yeah. The gradual progression of They're that is handled all- very with a lot of care, I think. Not in a sense of like deliberation and plotting, but in a sense of like the emotion feels very real. The emotion that Han has to go through to acknowledge what he felt about Chewie and what he feels about Leia and the navigating the, the change, right? Um, I think it's done really well. There's a scene coming up that I like a lot with them, but that's later. Yeah, it feels like like they're still both struggling with it, and that's not really glossed over, but they've they feel like the way we all kind of imagine them to be as a happy couple, and it's really kind of sweet. Yeah, it's basically... I. This book feels like the Solos and Skywalkers all finally sort their shit out. Like, it's... it's, Or at least as much as this family is capable of. Yes, but it's just, it's such a nice, 
I can't think of another word right now, but balance to balance point where they are just completely screwed up and nothing is going how it should. And then this book just makes you feel like things are okay again. Not perfect because, you know, there's a horrible war going on, but it's better and they're in a good place for now. Yes, I agree. I really like the descriptions of some of Jason's meditation. He still has trouble with it. He still overthinks things a little bit. But there are some descriptions that I thought were really beautiful. Um, I have to tab over them because I'm on my Nenium fanfic right now instead. Um, (laughs) Let's see. I actually want to read it. Um, Jason spent hours coaxing his wants, needs, and expectations into corners of his mind, far from the conscious, surrendering himself into the silent flow of the Force. Um, And in seeking, one often missed what was sought or came to an understanding tainted by desire. And that, I mean, I don't meditate like in a serious fashion, but that has, uh, to me, feels a lot like the like sort of slight meditation that I've done and the kind of like calming techniques that I've done. So I just thought those passages were one of those cases where you can kind of apply the Jedi philosophy to your real life. And I like that. And it seems like, it seems like Jason's, chilled out a little bit about must be philosophical about everything it seems like he's starting to kind of get that always taking the moral high ground or what he thought was the moral high ground isn't working for him and like the number of times that he's thinking you know i really wish i could argue with anakin about this it's Hmm. to me that feels like a big character growth moment where he's realizing that there's a lot productive that can be done in those little debates. That's a good point about like what, how would this have been different if Anakin was there? Cause Han and Jason really like had some pretty vitriolic arguments here. Partially, I think because Anakin wasn't there to modulate them. Or do you think even if he had been there, it would have kind of come to a head? I don't know. I feel like it still probably would have happened to some extent, but I think Anakin just would have put a, different spin on the dynamic like i don't think he would have necessarily stopped it it just the arguments would have changed yeah and because you could ask the same question about like would anakin have brought leia in it just would have been a different dynamic yeah and when leia mediates even a little bit it's not in the middle of an argument it is long afterwards (sighs) And, uh, excuse me, and, like, the way she mediates is going to be very, very different than anything Anakin might have to bring there. But just the way Jason's even thinking, huh, you know, I kind of would love to bounce this off Anakin (laughs) here and there. And just, like, even though it's not really going smoothly, he's figuring out that he cannot just sit in a corner and think all the time. Not in this circumstance. Slow clap. Good job, Jason. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I really like the name for the Falcon. (laughs) Princess of Blood. Blood. (laughs) It's like, I know. Just it's so metal. It's so metal. It's so Han. Han Han tries. And then there's- Sometimes I wonder if he deliberately has come up with ridiculous 
pseudonyms for the Falcon just to see how many eye rolls and sighs he can get out of Leia just with the, did he seriously say that? That's so over the top. I think it's a little bit of both, is that he simultaneously loves them and thinks they're fun. And then he's like, oh, this is going to make Leia do that. Ha 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 Yes, just seeing them like the little ways in which they clearly like to troll each other from time to time is like, aw, it's really kind of cute. <laughs> yeah. So, um, also, yeah. Wow, so much happened in this book. Yeah, we're yeah, not even to the actually, crazy part yet, are we? <laughs> I know. This, this has been more like yeah. a longer discussion than I thought we would have. Is there anything you guys want to add about Vicky Shesh while we're at like that section with the politics stuff? I feel like I feel like from day one it's it feels like they're being very very heavy handed with something might be up with her and or she's slimy. Like I think they openly said that a, a couple lot of books bad ago. Vibes. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of and it just feels like it's consistently it's one of those consistent things that it, it's like can we explore this more? Can we explore this more? And like you almost expect it to blow up in your face a lot faster than it actually seems to like oh a hint of her mm. nothing more said it's paced and I'm like, oppositely to Mara's pregnancy yeah yes yeah yeah actually I think interesting they started I think they started teasing the Vicky thing way back in Agents of Chaos very yeah like as she soon actually as we had, meet like, her we then. know yeah oh yeah like the first time we met her we basically know and now it's just like okay so where's this going yeah, it's gotta be somewhere. Yeah. Yes, it's... I can't really say anything more about this without someone telling me to shut up and stop being spoiled. Okay, about Kip, about Kip Duron, that jerk. Yeah. Okay, so... Oh, boy. So many <laughs> Kip's a jerk references. So many. Oh, honey. He lies. He manipulates Jaina. Um, this... I mean, I kind of want to go right into the experience of reading the Kip Jaina relationship as an adult because yeah, I it was especially weird at this age. I think because I can very much and like I want to preface this with I'm not like opposed to age gaps in fiction in general. It's not like a broad like statement for me, but um, I think in this case it's weird because when I was a teen or like thinking of it from a teen perspective, you can see like okay, she's, like, this older guy is, is wants to be her mentor, like, this guy's attractive, he's a rogue, whatever. I can understand her being attracted to him. Um, but the part that's weird is the fact that he, like, encourages it and that he, like, is creepy to her, and that's a problem. And yeah, I was thinking about, like, is it more or less creepy if he that he doesn't actually have those feelings or that he's just trying to manipulate her would it be worse if he actually did and i think it would be worse if he actually did because even though kip is in many ways still like that teenager who blew up a planet like he's like he's older than i am now right like so it was mm -hmm. it was weird and i can see i don't fault jaina at all i i don't fault jaina for having the feeling she had or for 
even you know she was she was tricked it was it was not her i don't fault her for that um, yeah i fault kip for all of this oh yeah. yeah yeah when i was when i was a teenager first reading this it felt a little bit creepy but only a very little bit and more in the sense of i feel like this should be very creepy but it doesn't feel like it to me like the intellectual knowledge that it was way creepier than I was reading it as. Huh. But like as an adult, it's like Kip is supposed to be a bit older than I am and no, just so much no. And like even though age gaps are not necessarily a bad thing in this situation, how manipulative he is. Uh. Yeah. 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 And it also makes a difference. If Jaina had actually like punched him in the face, I don't think anyone would have blamed her whatsoever. Yeah. So here's what bothers me with <laughs> with all of this is like the mission they go on is not a bad one. Like from a from a tactical point of view, blowing up a brand new world ship is a smart move. For every single reason mm-hmm. that he lays out at the end, and is, he's like, you know, mm-hmm. their world ships are dying. They're going to have to make the choice between whether or not, you know, they keep pushing forward or they do something about the people that they have on these ships. It's not necessarily like the nicest thing to do to the Vong, but it makes sense from a tactical point of view. And it just drives me crazy because. He does this whole manipulation of Jano, which is awful and creepy. And again, not her fault. Also, the age gap would be way less creepy if she was way older than her 18 years. Had he just gone to her and been like, listen, it's a world ship. It needs to get blown up. And they had just gone at it with like been open. It would have been fine. Like, he probably would have had to do a lot of fast talking to convince Jaina and then more fast talking to convince Gavin and Wedge. But it's a military, it's a good military move. Yes. If he had been honest about it from the beginning, I have a feeling that Jaina would have found a way to talk Gavin and Wedge into it as well. But the level of manipulation really backfires so much on Kip because like after that and with how angry Jaina is, of course, Jaina is going to end up telling her family or it'll get back to them. And that'll keep on coming back to bite Kip again and again, as if he isn't Captain Bad Publicity already. Yeah. God damn it, Kip Duran. Like, I love this him. This whole book is a giant Kip's a jerk reference. Yeah, I basically yeah. wrote down three because I felt that three was correct, but that's not an approximate number, and the true number would have many variables in it. Yeah, like this is a book where yeah. even I have a friend who is the biggest Kip fan on the face of the planet, and even he went, "Oh yeah, that's not his best look." <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, no, this is I, oh. and and I. I generally liked Leia, or excuse me, Leia, Jaina's characterization in this. I liked yes. that she had to choose. She she was a little mostly resigned to like not being in Rogue Squadron anymore at that point, but she still finds ways to fly and to be like 
she's a pilot like in her soul and you can feel that and there's a part i don't remember which planet she was above but there was a part that reminded me a lot of actually the scene in the force awakens where ray and finn fly the falcon for the first time because it's just so full of joy it's just so full of a person doing what they love to do and having fun with it and i think i hope that Jaina would hold that memory close to her because she's going to need it. Um, and also for me, mm-hmm. it was just like, oh, that's real cool. Like, you can be like, you know, you can have fun and like do the thing you're good at and be like a cool fighter pilot, you know, which has its sort of jingoist uh, shading also. But still, like, let's let's go with it for now. And I enjoyed that. Yeah. And hold on, sorry, I'm going to go back two things. One, I really like the conversation between her and Gavin, where he was like, I was wrong about suggesting that, you know, you take some more time away from the squadron. Like, I shouldn't have done that. And then two, going back to her and and Kip, I don't want to say that she had, I don't think she had romantic feelings. I think she had more of, uh, I don't want to say sexual feelings, but I can't think of another word for it. If that ma- does that make sense? No, I agree. So it was attraction, yes. not yes. admiration. Yes. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. See, I I huh. agree. I actually agree more so on that. That combined with Jana probably hasn't taken much time lately to think about dating or romance or anything at all, and suddenly someone like Kip, who is generally a pretty charismatic sort of character, or supposed to be one, drops in like this, plus a little force manipulation, and yeah. The force manipulation part was so creepy. Yeah. I really... Yeah. That's probably the worst aspect of all of it, that he was kind of feeding her the emotions he wanted her to feel, and that that was weird. It's so, so creepy and. And yet what. (sighs) So, okay, I think I said this in our teaser episode or one of our episodes, but like there was a time in my life where I shipped Kip and Jaina and I partially did it just to troll originally because the Jaina soul ship wars were a crazy time in fandom. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, But I the fact that he's so creepy with her and yet this is the book that definitely launched the Kip and Jaina ship and they were definitely setting up something further down the line like damn that's interesting I mean I I also obviously like I don't I don't think it's a healthy ship but that's that's interesting I don't do you want to go any more into why why you liked it and Oh, why I was shipping them at some point, I guess. I mean, mean, you said it was for trolling, so maybe maybe it's not that. I mean, I started out Jaina Jag, and then I was just like, you know, you don't change ships in the middle of the war. And I was like, eh, people on the Jaina and Jag side are annoying me. I'm just going to go to Kip and Jaina. Let's go just dive into this other book that shall not be named. Um, Like, all right. And I was like, yeah, this is fun, guys. I'm enjoying this ship. All right, I'll write some fanfic. Um... But yeah, I mean, like, I saw there was an appeal (laughs) of it when I was, like, 16 and, you know, 15, 16, writing fic Mm -hmm. and all. But, yeah. Yeah, And that's kind of what I meant, too, when I said, like, looking at it from her point of view, you can kind of see 
Yeah. How, like if I was 15 and like I can see how that would appeal from that point of view. I feel like, yeah, I feel like it's way creepier to me as an adult than it was for me as like a 15, 16 year old. Yeah. And I feel like, I feel like a lot of, I was way less negative about Kip and Jana when I was 15, 16. But as an adult, it just really kind of gives me a bad vibe. But I don't know. I'm old and grumpy now, so. <sighs> um. But yeah, no, I mean, I, I think it's a very teenage thing for girls mm-hmm. to to be interested in in ships. <sighs> oh, I'm tr- ships that later on we recognize things that we don't like or things that really things that are unhealthy without recognizing that what we're seeing is unhealthy like yeah it's the red flags that i can see now but as a teenage girl i wasn't going to see and even if someone pointed them out i wouldn't have taken them as being anywhere near as yeah. bad yeah. as so, I like, see so it now. for example the opera. no i was like that's exactly yes, what i was gonna say exactly exactly because that's something i thought was way more romantic when i was like 15 yeah. 16 than mm-hmm. i ever would now because i was because uh, that movie came out when i was in high school and i remember talking to two different friends yep. and two of us were all like no it's like 100 percent the phantom obviously and our one friend was like uh Raul. We're like, what? You don't think the Phantom's hotter? She's like, yes, but Raul. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what my other friend's excuse was, because she's exactly. she's like was an actual adult at that point. So she probably should have known better. But like, you know, 15, 16 year old Bria yeah, doesn't get it. Really, yeah. Yeah, 15 year old Rocky, who is also a huge Phantom fan, did not see just how screwed up that whole thing was. For many more years, and I think a lot of that is just part of being young. <laughs> yeah. A lot of it is perspective and not really having a lot of the, oh, crap, that is actually bad. Yeah, being taken in by the fantasy of it, not thinking so much about the realism yeah. of if you stripped away the, yeah. like, the music, you know, the Andrew Lloyd Webber, if you, like, transitioned this <laughs> relationship into something more mundane, yeah, it would be really unhealthy, but when you're looking at it as... It's a musical. It's grand yeah. and all that. Oh yeah. yeah. And I mean, and I yeah. will have more to say about this ship once we get once we get to a point further down the line. But I think this is a point where it is definitely They're- beyond unhealthy. Because yeah. Yeah. Because they're they're not on equal footing. That's that's what I'm going for. Is they're not no. on equal footing. That's a good point. It's almost a teacher-student kind of relationship, which is icky in its own way. Yes. Oh, I I just keep I mm, I want to compare it to another See, book so badly, lot. and I can't. Yeah. <sighs> it's and I, <sighs> there's there is something else I am thinking of in relation to this. That's like ask me later on. Much much later on in a different book series about that and yeah we can definitely confirm that there are many many kipsadric references in this book so many lost track it's like just yes. it's an infinity symbol it now, is I it really is <laughs> i think we we yes. just didn't we lost count at some point but trust me there are at least three yeah um and i i just want to clarify like 
I really like Kip Duran as a character. Like, he's garbage. But I like him. And yeah. Yeah, and I certainly don't want to say that, like, of if you like, like, I don't want to say you shouldn't like him. Like, that's not what this is about. No, you know? of course not. Like, I like him as a character, too. Yeah. There are plenty of characters like Kip who I like because they're kind of terrible yes. people. Yes. Part of why I like them is because I know them in fiction and not reality, but I think that's true for a lot of awesome characters. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just want to reinforce that they're not on... They're not on equal footing and come back to that particular phrase in a couple of months. Because, yeah. Ask, yes, file that under the very long list of ask us about that yes. list yes. things. But I was really glad. I feel like that list is steadily growing. <laughs> in non-chippy things, I'm always really happy when I see Wedge or I see Crayfay. Because <laughs> Admiral Crayfay just makes yes. me happy. <laughs> I love Crayfay. <laughs> Do you want a planet for your kids, or would they each need a planet? You just tell me, Gavin. It's fine. <laughs> yes, yes, I love Crayfay so much because. Okay, I my profanity filter is struggling for some reason right now, but yeah, Crayfay does not really give a hoot at times. <laughs> Good save. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I'm doing like the angry, frustrated little dance of how creative am I going to get with my profanity before I just finally give up, say something stupid, and someone like throws. It's a okay. Rock at we, me. Get, we get one F bomb an episode. It goes to either you or me. It's fine. Damn. It's, it's allowed, and we can't reach you with rocks in this it. distance. No. This is true. And if I cut into the rock, I won't surprise find Yorick Coral, so we're all good. That's no, what you think. No. <laughs> oh. Is that why the rock got up and ran off? Maybe. <laughs> oh, I really liked the tweet you made about Yusun Bong furniture and just the daily life of being a Yusun Bong. <laughs> because that's the other thing. Like, I wish we got more of them after this series. The the books just weren't about that. But I really always kind of wanted a, a story about a Yusun Bong who was just, um, you know, getting involved with normal society. And there was one in Mercy Kill. Um, which was good, but it was just one. And I was like, I want to see the village, you know, all of them uh, just like living their lives and growing their weird fruits and vegetables and animal creatures and just living their lives. So I, I liked your tweet. I agree with it. <laughs> yeah, that was one of those. I was tired enough when I made that tweet that it was half joking. And then I realized <laughs> for all that... For all that I'm joking about things like what if your living room armchair gets up and wanders off into the other room or your doormat gets hungry and eats your shoes, like the little mundanities of Yuzanvong life, because I'm positive that at least some of their everyday objects sometimes don't function as intended. And I'm not demanding I mean, really, it be a do you serious have to feed your doormat either. Like, <laughs> I'm fine with it being funny also, because they, for all the terror they've unleashed in the galaxy they need to be funny a little bit so it's what we do in I the shadows having... but use in bong oh my god are yeah. you doing your dark fitting on the villains yes because <laughs> like i'm sorry but i just have this really good image of the chair that i dump my clothes on in the bedroom and then I get up one morning and, oh crap, where are my pants from yesterday? And my chair is standing by the, the door to the washing machine, pointing at it like, hello. 
you've got a bunch of stuff here. Come on. Oh, God. <laughs> I, I really need the, you know, screen caps, like screen caps from the new Jedi Order with text from what we do in the shadows now. Like, Can someone please make <laughs> this for us? this request yeah, out yeah. to the internet at Shaper this fight, rate. Shaper fight. Oh, yep. gosh. <sighs> okay. The mental images I'm getting from this are getting better and better and better. And this is yeah. good. Okay. We've put it's this beautiful. energy out into the world. Now. All right. <sighs> so we do have a couple more questions to do. Uh, we've asked most of them, but we I have think... another from Nancy. Yeah. Um, I can read it. Rocky, uh, do you want to take or, this yeah, one? Rocky. Do you have a preference? Um, it's, the, fir- it's the first one. The Ben Skywalker one. Aw, yes, this one. From Nancy. How wonderful is it that Ben Skywalker was born on a goddamn errant venture? And Aunt Mirax was the first family member to meet him. Aw. Also, do you think Booster sent Luke and Mara a hospital bill? Uh, yes, yes, he definitely did. And he probably over-embellished it with all sorts of outrageous things. My- totally expecting zero money zero real money whatsoever but he wrote something absolutely outrageous for them being like here for all of the jedi you have inflicted upon me so (laughs) someone in the slack uh went oh he tried to give them the bill and then mara just marched up on the bridge of the air adventure and went are you kidding me and they just threatened him a lot and booster caved and then blamed corin because that's what booster does he blames corin horn and then that turned well, into a discussion of uh, New Republic healthcare and whether or not they have universal healthcare. Well, that that brings me to the question too: of do the Jedi get paid? Because the Jedi are referred to as freeloaders in this book. Was that by Booster? <laughs> that freeloaders in robes. Was that the freeloaders in robes? Yes, that was Booster. Okay. I'm I'm positive that was Booster. Yeah, that sounds like a- that was one of the several moments where I had a good serious laugh in this. So I think it's it's it makes a difference that it's Booster, like. Because Booster is not being paid to keep the Jedi kids on his ship. Like, I think I think he's That's talking true. about that specifically, and he's not talking about whether or not the Republic pays them. Okay. I am interested in whether or not the Republic pays them, but that makes sense. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, I'm really not sure. <laughs> Those mundane parts of world building are fascinating. They absolutely are. There are just several, there are so many really great lines in this book. There really, really are. (sighs) I did genuinely like the dialogue in this one. Some of it started to feel like, you know, as they say, you can write it, but you can't say it. But some of it was like, I can really hear Han's voice. I can really hear Leia's voice. You know, a very clear Mm -hmm. image of like, maybe not necessarily the details of like what Jason's voice is, but like, I know who, like how I pictured Jason. It was all very clear. Yeah. So we have other counters, too. We have one more Jedi death in this book. And uh, we have zero Nogri deaths. Yeah. So that's still only at two, which seems like a low number. It does. This is only at two. But eight Jedi deaths. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And yep. For now. <laughs> for now. <laughs> yeah. Please hold. Uh, is that most... It's- about it right yeah i think that's that's pretty much everything yeah. on the notes oh. oh wait i found one note that i wrote down when i was writing the book i should have met or when i was writing the book <laughs> reading the book uh that should have mentioned <laughs> earlier but i it says uh 
talking about how Corin has to be the teacher and how he's very right about how Anakin has to be careful about setting the example that he does, whether he wants mm. to or not. Mm. Yeah. Which I thought was interesting just because he's right. And like Anakin didn't necessarily ask to be a role model and it sucks that that's being put, that burden is put on him, but also well, it's there. But it's happened. So. Mm-hmm. It's happened. It's not going to change. This is uh, really a tangent, but um, I was thinking recently that this kind of responsibility is like Ko from Avatar The Last Airbender. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that, but the uh, the creature that Aang um, confronts where you have to keep a straight face or else he'll steal your face. And, oh, yeah. yeah. And Aang like, clearly has a lot of emotion, but he can't show it mm-hmm. like he, he like he will die if he shows that emotion and uh mm-hmm. i think the kind of responsibility that corn is talking about is like that where anakin can it's not that he isn't allowed to feel things it's that if he shows them on his face there's going to be an effect that are bigger that's bigger than he is and that's something that i actually think about sometimes when i'm like trying to be calm is like you have to just keep literally you know keep face right like just Make it look good for other people because that because then the rip there won't be ripple effects and uh, that's the kind of thing that mm-hmm. Corn is trying to teach Anakin here I think yeah that's a good one yeah and also Anakin's pretty good at controlling his emotions I think he's better at it than Jason but <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. he's learning how much he's been in the spotlight since Center Point Station I don't think it's new to him that he's in the spotlight but specifically in this way with like the other Jedi children he's learning that like they will look up up to him yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, going with emotional whiplash, Matt Martin just replied to our tweets about the new Jedi Order, what we do in the shadows with 100% would watch. Yes. <laughs> I feel so like, glad we have this support. I feel like there's no, nothing else. We peaked. All right. <laughs> Thank you, Mart Matt Martin. We won. I appreciate it. So, yeah. Yay. <sighs> okay, I think I'm out of things to say about this book finally. <laughs> yes, I well, think I think that's a wrap. Yeah. Yeah, I think someone should shut me up before I start yelling about something spoilery. Unfortunately, Rocky, it has to be well, you who closes us out. I know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you're, gonna, you're gonna do the outro, okay. I'm sorry. Yeah, whatever. So. <laughs> so this podcast has been brought to you in part by your support on Patreon. And if you like what you hear, you can subscribe to the Tashi Station Radio Mega Feed for even more episodes. Join us next time for the first of two episodes on Star by Star by Troy Denning. We'll be reading through chapter 25 because this book is such a big doorstop that we're not going to try to make our ourselves or you guys do it in a month. And this podcast... Also, it's really sad. Yeah. Yes. Please prepare your care packages for us. <laughs> we need the help. <laughs> and for yourselves. Take care of yourselves as well. Uh, that's true. This podcast is distributed as part of the Tashi Station Network, and you can read and tweet along with us by using the hashtag VongCast. Usually a few really good tweets pop up while we're attempting to record the show. <laughs> Speaking of tweet, where can we all be found on social media? I am Lady Darth Kytus on Twitter, and I also show up on the Of Dice and Droids podcast being my usual tabletop gaming self. Absolutely chaotic. And I have written for 1138 in the past, though I think I might be retired for the foreseeable however long.
So I can be found on Twitter at blog full of words. Um, I write for Star Wars Insider, StarWars.com, and Den of Geek. Um, my latest for Den of Geek is a review of Destiny 2 Forsaken, which is the thing that I'm talking about all the time when I'm not talking about Star Wars. So if you're interested in gaming as well, check that out. And then you can find me on Twitter at ChaosBria, and I also write for StarWars.com and over on Tashi Station, which is just Tashi Station now. No hyphen. No underscore. It's very exciting. Good, good. At last, the URL is complete. At last, we shall have a revenge. (laughs) 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 And on that note, thank you for listening and see you again next time.